You are listening to Germantown Community Radio, WRGU 92.9 FM. Welcome to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show, a weekly radio program that spotlights positive real estate development and neighborhood revitalization in, throughout Philadelphia. I'm your host, Derek Hengemill. Jumpstart Philly is a unique community development program that trains, mentors, networks, and provides funding to aspiring real estate developers in seven different Philadelphia neighborhoods, including Germantown, where the program was founded. Jumpstart believes that you can do well by doing good and focuses on removing neighborhood blight, scattered site rehab, creating a healthy mix of affordable and market rate housing, and avoiding gentrification through slow, steady growth and keeping wealth local. Interviews are conducted during Jumpstart Germantown's weekly Jump in Our series on Monday nights at 7 p.m. held via Zoom webinar. For more information about these events, you can check out the events page at jumpstartgermantown.com. This week, I'm speaking with John Thane about 1031 exchanges and how aspiring developers can use this tax deferral method to access 100% of their profits in a real estate transaction. I hope you enjoy the conversation and be sure to check out the podcast version of this program at jumpstartgermantown.com slash media. Formally introduced, he's, he's been uh, waiting patiently here. I'm going to introduce John Thane, who is the uh, president of Global Brand Marketing and is a consultant responsible for brand building and brand extensions. His background consists of 25 years of product development, production planning, international sourcing and sales marketing solutions, and an expertise in private label and brand development. Uh, in, in sort of terms of, of real estate, he is also a member of Cool Holdings uh, and has built one of the largest Rita's Italian Ice franchise groups serving Rita's Italian Ice as many as seven stores. Um, and while building Cool Holdings, John developed three commercial properties that house Rita's franchisings, franchises. Um, and over the many years, he has developed over 30 residential and commercial properties and currently serves as a mentor in the Jumpstart Germantown program, um, which is how I know him. And uh, and he's happy to join us here for his second uh, Jumpinar. Um, so I'll let him introduce him now. How's it going, John? Ab- terrific. And uh, it's wonderful to be here. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it's, you know, in fact, it was interesting. Last night, we actually had a, a jumpstart meeting, uh, our first live meeting at my home in about a year and a half. With so, you, you mean with you and your mentees? Yes, exactly. Great. Exactly. Yeah, so exciting. It's been a while since that's happened, huh? <laughs> yeah, it really, and it, and it was just terrific to get together. And as usual, you know, at my meetings, we also did Wines of the World. So we went from... Europe to South America and so forth. So it was a, it was a good time, but uh, I can't tell you and, and everybody on board here just how meaningful it is to be part of the, the Jumpstart Germantown program. And uh, I've helped out at Jumpstart Norristown and uh, it, it, it's just really a terrific program. Uh, I love people being able to make a difference in their own environments uh, rather than let outsiders do it. And that's what Jumpstart's all about. So one of the things I wanted to share uh, with, you know, the listeners tonight is it's a great opportunity. You know, Jumpstart does a terrific job to teach people how to create wealth and create equity in real estate. The next step, believe it or not, is actually when you make profits is literally preserving those profits. How do we, how do we take the profits from that real estate and use it to leverage into other real estate deals and not use it to pay income taxes? And it's not that we're not going to pay taxes at some point, but 
The objective of a 1031 exchange allows you to take 100% of your profit from a deal, put it into a new deal, and basically defer the taxation. Mm-hmm. And very important tool, uh, especially for actually two groups, you know, those that are, are growing a real estate portfolio, you know, rather than pay that that long term capital gains, which, you know, depending, you know, varies, but let's say it's 20%, you know, rather than you just be able to use 80% of your profits on your next deal, you're now allowed to use 100% of your profits. And it's completely legitimate. The other people that this makes sense for people such as myself, and actually some of the other uh, mentors in the Jumpstart Germantown program, as we begin to liquidate our portfolios, how do we liquidate our portfolios and sell off real estate that we have, that we have substantial profits in, and then make additional investments in real estate without being subject to taxation? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's meaningful on your way up, and it's also meaningful at that point when you're uh, liquidating right. your portfolios later in life. So what, what, is it, what is it a tax, a 1031 exchange? Uh, it's got to be like-kind property. And by that, the definition of that is, say, if you, if you have an apartment building and you sell that, well, all the proceeds from that sale have to go to like-kind property. So another either rental real estate, it could even be commercial real estate, but it has to be real estate. I mean, you can't put this into stocks or bonds or, or whatever. So uh, like-kind property is, is one of the important principles here. But, uh, you know, when you do this, you know, what we should probably, geez, there's a lot of different ways to come at this. Let's talk about initially, what are the advantages yeah. of so, doing a 1031 exchange? Go ahead, Derek. Yeah, John, I just wanted to back up and ask you, because uh, what you explained so far is, is it's almost too good to be true. <laughs> it sounds like, Sounds like something that that should be the standard, and that that people shouldn't necessarily have to like go through this extra obstacle to, to get that. Like it makes sense for if you're selling a, a project, you should get 100% of your profits. Um, and, and I, I want to ask you, why do you think people don't know about it? Why do you think sometimes? Like, why do you think we have to educate people about it? And why isn't it just a standard? Well, you know, it's it, it it's a little bit trickier. Most people, when they start out in real estate, are are focused on things like. I have to make a solid acquisition at a great price. I have to plan and budget my my repairs and so forth. And and they're more focused on making a good real estate deal. Mm -hmm. And they're not thinking about the next step, which is really the wealth building part of real estate. And, you know, it's, it's easy sometimes to focus on, well, how do I make money? How do I make money? How do I make money? And that's great. But ultimately, how you preserve the profits that you make and not pay them in taxes and so forth, that can be legally uh, deferred. They don't go away forever, but they're deferred as long as you're making other investments. What I've done recently is, as I have sold off several properties that I was managing and maintaining myself, which required, you know, a decent amount of personal, uh, you know, uh, time and effort. I was able to sell those properties at a, at a very nice profit and invest in 
uh, real estate that's more passive in nature. In, in my case, it was triple net leases. So I was buying properties that had major tenants like a, like a CVS or a family dollar or a, a national tenant, which is all triple net. Uh, literally, the extent of my labor is making sure that the ACH into my bank account occurs every month and the ACH out of my bank account occurs every month. Uh, so it, it, it's really, uh, you know, taken a lot of the burden of management off of me at this stage, yet I'm still involved in real estate investments. Yeah, sure. I mean, so, so much of the, the training process and that like, you know, experiential learning is focused on the development process and, and construction and, and how you find financing for the project. And it's like the obvious stuff, like on the back end, right? After you're all done, um, some people just must overlook it, right? You know, yes. And, and, and it's something that you have to plan for. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, one of the things I should mention, if anybody is thinking about doing a 1031 exchange, if you're about to sell a property, and there's going to be, you know, a substantial profit involved. Plan in advance. A contact either an attorney or there's there's 1031 companies out there that do nothing but 1031 exchanges. So I happen to, I've used several. Uh, the most recent company I used was uh, 1031 Corp. Mm -hmm. And speak to them before you do your transaction, knowing how to do it and pre-planning it. You know, you can't call you can't call them after you've done the deal, because at that point, you've killed any opportunity to do a 1031 exchange. The way it works is when you when you when you identify that company, they become what's known as a QI or a qualified intermediary. What happens when you sell your property at settlement? No money goes to you. All of the money goes to your qualified intermediary. If any money goes to you, it becomes taxable. So that's why it's wise to, to get your advice on your 1031 exchange before you do your deal. And there's another reason you want to do it before you do your deal. There's then very specific rules that you have to follow. Okay. You have 45 days to identify replacement properties. You don't have to buy them in the 45 days, but you have to identify. And there's two rules. There's a three property rule where you can identify three individual properties that you're then going to uh, pursue and try to purchase. Or there's another one that's a little bit more complicated. It's called the 200% rule where you can identify multiple properties, but cumulatively, they cannot equal more than 200% of the deal you're selling. Right. I've only used the three, or the three property rule myself. And one, that's another reason you want to pre-plan this, especially in today's banking environment. Uh, I've found and a lot of investors that I've spoken to have found that, you know, since COVID hit, banks have become a little bit more difficult to to work with. Uh, it's more, a little bit more difficult to be qualified. If you don't have a pre-existing strong relationship with your bank and you're going to go out and shop for money. You only have 180 days total to complete your 1031 acquisition from the time you sell. Mm -hmm. So if you get caught up with a bank and they can't close the deal within those 180 days, then you're immediately your deal becomes taxable.
Okay. So it's not like you, you lose or, or you have any penalty or anything. You just, you lose, you, you lose that opportunity, right? Exactly. You, you lose the ability to do the deferral. Uh, so that, that leads to, I, th I think you were going to move on to talking about the advantages of, of the 1031 exchange. And it sounds like tax deferral is the main one. Um, what, what does that mean, tax deferral? And how does that, that play into you know, the decision? Well, you know, I don't want to get way too complicated on this, but you know, let's just say you, you sold a building and you had a $200,000 profit. Well, at a 20% uh, uh, long-term capital gain rate, that means you would be paying 40,000 in taxes and your net would be 160. So you would then have 160 to invest into your next deal. Mm -hmm. If you use the 1031 exchange, that that 40,000 or 20% long-term capital gain is deferred. You don't have to pay it at that time, meaning you can now invest 200,000 as opposed to 160,000. So needless to say, you, you, you have, you know, you, you can acquire larger properties or you can leverage it further. You know, 200 goes further than 160. Right. So, 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 uh, so that when you defer those taxes, when, you know, are you paying them? Are, do, is there a, a standard time? No, you, you pay them whenever you and you can do multiple deferrals. Mm -hmm. You know, I can I can do a, a deferral on property one and buy property two. I can sell property two and defer its profit if I buy property three and four and five, when you sell the last property, mm -hmm. which may be three, four, five properties down the road, when you sell the prof that property, then that's when the taxes become due. But, but the idea is that from the investment gains you've made while holding those properties, it's less of a, a impact, right? Or, or that, well, that it, it allows you to grow your, your portfolio yeah. faster and, and, and leverage it greater. Those taxes become easier to pay, essentially, right? <laughs> exactly. And, and, and by the way, I don't want to get overcomplicated, but in the event that I were to leave the last property that I have mm -hmm. to an heir, mm -hmm. they technically inherit that property at what's called the stepped-up basis or the basis at the time of my death, meaning they have really foregone all of those taxes. Right. But I don't want to start quoting, you know, tax law here. It's that's like way above what I do. So uh, that's where you need to make sure you have a good attorney or a good accountant to make sure that they uh, they keep it right. But, you know, I, I've spoken to another mentor in the Germantown uh, Jumpstart Germantown program who's in the midst of considering, you know, liquidating his fairly sizable portfolio. And he's looking at 1031 exchanges as a way to, you know, make the profits that he wants to make, mm -hmm. but also defer the taxes and keep his money working in, say, triple net lease properties, things like that. Okay, great. Um, so, so my next question for you is, is how do you know if your property or your, your transaction qualifies? Um, you know, it, it's, it sounds like it's, it's open to everybody. Um, you know, what are the qualifications like, uh, in, how, how does it, something that it's very simple it's just got to be a like kind property so you know if you're if you you know if you're selling a commercial property and you're buying a commercial property not a problem if you're selling an apartment building and you're buying you know a, another you know commercial property or, or residential property property for property is 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 pretty easy to do mm -hmm. uh and and 
you know does it work in reverse so like can you can you exchange can the like kind property be you know if you're selling a, a residential you know single family home can you exchange that for a, a three unit commercial unit absolutely yes and then and it but again i would i would work closely with a 1031 either attorney or a 1031 company that will guide you and and be able to get very specific i mean for example for example you know if you have a vacation home, you can do a 1031 on your personal vacation home as long as it's not your primary residence, as long as you buy another vacation home because mm-hmm. it's like kind. And, you know, some of the some of the, the, the properties, you know, it's not just real estate. Uh, you know, you could have oil leases or you know, a, a number of different types of investments that you can use 1031 deferrals on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, real estate's probably the most common and, and certainly it's the most relevant for what we do at Jumpstart Germantown. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you know, to go back to just, to, you know, some of the advantages, obviously it's, it's the immediate tax deferral. But, you know, secondarily, you know, in that example I just gave you with the 200,000 in profit, well, you've got greater buying power with 200,000 than you do with 160, you know, uh, it, it increases your income potential. You know, if you're buying a, a larger property that has, you know, a larger gross income, hopefully it has a larger net income. So you increase your, your income potential. Um, uh, in some cases, in, in my case, I've gone to a lot of triple net leases. So it's actually lessened my management responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it allows you to diversify what you're what you're doing. If if you've always done residential and now you start to get into commercial or mixed use, it gives you an opportunity to uh, diversify. It, it it can in the case of I'm thinking of of one individual I know who has over 80 properties. If they were to sell off a major part of their portfolio, they might be able to convert that into a single property. Mm-hmm. You know, there you may take a three or four or five million dollar profit and put it into a property that's worth 10 or 12 million. Right. So there's a lot of customization and and it's a flexible mechanism that you can kind of fit to your your investment strategy. Right. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And, you know, I think for most real estate investors, leverage is a big part of why we do this you know i mean if you can put down twenty thousand and acquire an asset that's worth a hundred thousand you know you're you're leveraging what you're able to do and unlike you know other markets where you can't leverage or you can't leverage as great to to you know as great an extent this is why we get into real estate so we we use that leverage to build wealth well the, the phase two of that is when you sell is retaining as much of that profit or all of that profit to put into your next deal. Okay, great. Um, I just want to remind everybody, uh, because we're probably in about 10 minutes, we'll get to the the live Q&A session. Um, So if anybody has uh, specific questions for John or anything they want to ask us, you can type it into the the Q&A, which is on the the toolbar there, the two little chat bubbles, and we'll uh, we'll get to them soon. I see some people already typing questions in there, so that's good. So I think one. You know, oh, I'm sorry, Derek. But one of the, you know, I just wanted to finish out a couple more advantages. Yeah, sure. One of the great things about this program is it not only helps you 
build your portfolio of properties and increase the you know your value and net worth and so forth but it's also a great exit strategy mm -hmm. you know for someone like myself who's been around for a long time i'm now trying to figure out a how to make my life easier how to have less management and eventually have an exit strategy. And, you know, that's why, like, I'm buying family dollar stores and CVSs and so forth at this point. And, and these will eventually go to my heirs at a stepped-up basis, which will further mm -hmm. lower the tax impact. So it's, it's a great way to create that, that generational wealth that you can pass on to others. Yeah, yeah sure. It sounds, I mean, it sounds in the same spirit as the, the Burr strategy, the, you know, B-R-R-R-R, which is what we talk about a lot. It's just that, that cyclical mindset you want to get into. And, and this is kind of the thing that bookends it, right? Is the, yeah. well, Without a doubt. And then, I mean, there's all sorts of other things. When you start to look at it, it almost seems like it's too good to be true. I mean, think about if you, if you sell a portfolio of properties and let's just say you, you have a million dollars. And you go out with that and you acquire $4 million worth of properties. Well, not only is your income going up and your cash flow is going up, but then you're then depreciating a $4 million asset as opposed to, you know, what you sold. Mm -hmm. So that is, again, protecting your income. You get more depreciation on the, on the, the you know, the higher valued properties. So you're sheltering more of your income. So like when you keep looking at this, it's like, my goodness, mm -hmm. this is almost too good to be true. But it's also, if you look around, it's why real estate is one of the greatest wealth building tools that's available to any American. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so, so my next question for you is about, um, you know, getting started with it and where, where you should, or where you want to point people to go to, to get involved in this. Um, so you, you mentioned a couple times here that legal assistance is highly advised and that there's the, like even companies that this is their sole purpose. Um, where, where do you want to point people? Where, where should, if somebody's in this call and they're, they're learning about this and they think, oh, this seems like a really good, uh, you know, fit for my, my next deal or, or, or a couple projects down the line, where should they go? Well, you know, most attorneys, um, you know, with a specialization in taxation mm -hmm. are going to be, uh, a good resource. Now, if you don't want to go to an attorney, there are companies that are specifically uh, designed to handle 1031 exchanges. Like I mentioned a company that I used most recently, which is 1031 Corp. Well, before I sold my property, I reached out to 1031 Corp. They assigned me someone uh, that I basically sat down and strategized what we were going to do. I let them know when my planned settlement date was. They sent me the documentation. I signed, uh, I signed, you know, uh, documentation authorizing them to be my qualified intermediary, meaning all the funds would go to them. And then they would disperse the funds when I bought the new property. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, the, the one advantage that I would say uh, that I like about 1031 companies Mm -hmm. is their fees often are far more reasonable than a very expensive tax attorney. Tax attorney is going to be $500 an hour or up. Most tax, mo most companies that do these tax deferrals, the fee is going to be anywhere from $1,500 to $2,000. Mm -hmm. And literally, you can call them every day with a question and they send you reminders, you know, constant reminders like, 
hey, you're 20 days into your 45 day, you know, period. Um, and the other thing you want to do is prior, you know, not only prior to your settlement, should you reach out to either an attorney or a 1031 exchange company, but you should also make sure your banking is, is in order. Because uh, you have 45 days to identify your properties, then you have a total 180-day window that you have to settle within. Mm-hmm. So, and I'll give you a, a kind of an interesting strategy. Uh, yes, you can buy properties, but you can also buy, and I, I believe there was a, a jump in our done on this a while ago, uh, what's called a DST or a Delaware Statutory Trust. That also can be used in a 1031 exchange. I recently uh, participated in Delaware Statutory Trust where I bought into uh, an apartment building that, you know, I'm one of a couple hundred investors. It was a $45 million project out of Richmond, Virginia. And then I did another DST that it was a senior living and elder care facility out of Athens, Georgia. So, Though th- th- that's a whole separate subject, DSTs. Someone can come on and really just talk about DSTs and how you're able to leverage your 1031 uh, monies in DSTs. That's a separate subject. I'm really here to talk about really deferring taxes and or delaying the payment of taxes, or possibly, you know, in, in the case that you pass these on in your estate with a stepped-up basis, altogether avoiding taxes. If you're just tuning in, this is a conversation with John Thane about 1031 exchanges and how aspiring developers can use this tax deferral method to access 100% of their profits in any real estate transaction. Thank you for listening to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show on Germantown Community Radio, WRGU 92.9 FM. I hope you're enjoying the discussion. Sure. Yeah, and, and uh, you, you're right that we did have a, a jump in our on DSTs uh, with Gaston Escudero. Okay. Um, so you, you can, uh, if anybody wants to check out that out, it's on the the JumpstartGermantown.com website on the media uh, page. You might have to scroll down a little far. Um, but uh, we we did cover DSTs. But I'll be honest, John, I think we should we need to have a redux on that session because I certainly understand <laughs> what, what they're ne- like. Like it seems like you need to have a fundamental understanding of 1031 exchanges before you can talk about DSTs. Exactly. And, and the, one, the one thing that's great about a DST is it, it does take a lot of the guesswork out. You know, I mean, when you identify three properties, you then have to negotiate the deal. You have to have someone agree to it. Now, think of you could, you could nominate three properties and not be able to cut a deal on those properties. Mm-hmm. Whereas with a DST, you know, as long as that DST is, is open and it is not sold out, you can use that DST as your like-kind exchange. You know, in the case of the two that I, I bought into, they were real estate. And it's, it's almost more on lines of uh, uh, a REIT, a real estate investment trust, except DSTs are specific to the 1031 market. So it allows me to participate in a project that's way bigger than I could afford individually because they have 30 or 40 or 50 or a hundred other investors going into that same investment, but it's an apartment building. So it's like kind. 
Okay, um, so I, I think that's there, there's plenty of questions being entered in the the Q and A here. So I want to make sure we have uh, ample time to get to those. Um, but my my last question for you, John, is any closing uh, thoughts on things tip, tips you have for first timers in a ten thirty one exchange, or you know, if anybody here is is going to go venture on that that path, uh, what what advice do you have for them? Well, uh, quite frankly, anybody who's listening, whether you're ready to sell in the short term or it's just going to be something that might be a couple of years down the road, you should reach out to a 1031 exchange company mm -hmm. and talk to them and get some guidance. And certainly when you're about to sell a property, if you know that you're going to list a property for sale, that's when you should establish your relationship with either a lawyer or a 1031 exchange company and just make sure you understand very specifically what you have to do and how you have to structure the deal. And, you know, again, it's going to be one of those things where, you know, know that you've got 45 days to identify properties. Are you going to use the three property rule or are you going to use the 200% rule? I think for most people, the three property rule is probably uh, the, the, the easiest. Uh, for myself right now, I would suggest if people are using the three property rule that maybe they identify two properties and a DST. Because if the properties didn't work for whatever reason, you got that DST to fall back on. The only problem with that is DSTs, if, if that DST sells out before you pull the trigger on the deal, well, yeah. it, you know, you would, you would be blocked from being able to use that. But uh, anybody who's, who's out there looking to build a real estate portfolio and looking to, you know, build a, uh, a major part of their future wealth and wealth development. If you're using real estate as that tool, you better make sure you, you have a strategy to use 1031 exchanges. All right. Great. Great. Um, well, well, thank you, John. I appreciate that. That was, a, that was a great clear outline of, of what it is. Um, and I'm excited to hear our, our attendees questions here. So thank you. Terrific. I'm looking forward to it too. <laughs> Our first one here comes from uh, Keith, and he was wondering, is the cost for a 1031 exchange a flat rate or a percentage, or what is the industry average? So, so what does the cost look like um, to get it done? It's, from what I can see, the, the last company that I used, which is 1031 Corp, um, give them a little commercial here, uh, they charged a flat rate, and the flat rate was $1,500. And frankly, between all of the reminders that they sent out to me and the probably five or six conversations that I had with them. It, it, it's money well spent, yeah. money well spent. Uh, and, you know, I, I highly recommend using these companies. I mean, they also have all the, you know, they, they understand exactly what needs to be done to keep you uh, absolutely on track and following the regulations. If they ever did make a mistake, they've got, you know, they, they've, they would become responsible. You would have somebody there that, that, you know, I'm sure with errors and omissions and so forth, you would have recourse. Okay. Great. Uh, the next question here comes from Dwayne and he's wondering uh, in the scenario you're talking about where you, you have to identify three properties. Uh, do you have to close on one of those three properties or, yes. uh, okay. and that's within 180 days? Yes, you identify the three properties. And, and by the way, when you're doing this, 
you you know you you should be out looking for property long before you go to settlement and and have an idea of what properties you're going to nominate and you know there may be six properties that you nominate you know that you you have literally that you're considering now by the time you go to settlement two or three may have sold some may come off the market so you really want to make sure at least you've had a, initial discussions with the owners or their brokers to know that they're they're deals that you can do realistically and and a lot of times if you're dealing with a broker and you're letting them know that you're doing a 1031 exchange you can negotiate pretty much the deal you're going to put on the table and see whether it's acceptable uh i wouldn't i wouldn't put a property on that you know using the three property rule i would not nominate a property if i had not had a discussion with the broker or owner to know that I could put together an offer that was acceptable. Gotcha. Okay. Um, next question comes from Kira, and she's wondering: Does using 1031 funds for part or all of a purchase weaken your offer? Not, not at all. No. They, you it's, don't have to do that, right? No. I mean, it, it, in fact, if if anything, uh, you know, I mean, it shouldn't have any effect whatsoever. But I guess the 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 bottom line on it is. When you go to settle on that property, that money that's held in escrow, whatever the amount is, a hundred thousand, a million, whatever it is, one hundred percent of that's going to the buyer. Right. Now, if you if you if you finance in addition to that, mm-hmm. okay, then you know the bank would provide the balance of the funds. Mm-hmm. But no, it, I, it, it, no material effect. Um, Lydia is wondering, can you buy more than one property in a ten thirty one exchange that adds up to the income that you made? You know, I'm going to defer answering that uh, only because the answer is yes, but the answer is uh, there's a little bit more to it. And and by the way, the inverse of that is true. Mm -hmm. Um, You can sell two or three or four properties Mm -hmm. as long as you settle all it, you know, at that, you know, the same date and, right. and they, you know, fit into that 45 day period. So you might have three properties that you sell, possibly even the different, you know, buyers. Mm-hmm. And as long as they all transact in the same day and you're within that 45 day window, that's in fact, I looked, I attempted to do that on the last one that I did. And at the last, you know, shortly before we, we set it in motion, uh, the one sale fell apart, so I only did it with one property. But my plan was originally to sell two properties, same day, all the money go to the qualified intermediary, and then use that to leverage my next purchase. Nothing. So it sounds like that's a question for her uh, her chosen 1031 exchange attorney, right? <laughs> exactly. And I don't want to, I mean, I, I don't want to get real specific with something like that in that that requires someone who's licensed, insured, bonded, which I am not. <laughs> okay. Cool. Um, next question comes from Jania, and she's wondering, how long does organizing with the 1031 exchange company take? How far in, or, you know, also asked as, how far in advance should this be done be, to be ready to sell? I mean, literally, you can, you can do it the week of. 
Mm-hmm. I, what I suggest, though, is everybody, if, if you know that you've listed your property or you get an offer on your property and settlements 30 or 40 or 60 days down the road, is mm-hmm. as, as soon as I knew that I was going to be selling the property at some point, I would reach out to the 1031 company and just talk about the deal. What's what's the gross sale going to look like? How many dollars? You know, and and just get their guidance immediately. And the important part is just that that's prior to settlement because after that is where the window closes, right? Exactly. If 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 it if you ever deposit a check from a settlement into your personal account, you can't set up a 1031 the next day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. That money immediately, as soon as that, that, that check clears the bank, it's taxable, unless it goes to a qualified intermediary. Gotcha. Makes sense. Um, the next question also comes from Jenny, and she's just wondering, can you recommend any 1031 companies that you've worked with or, or you know? I recommend you could, you could Google it. It's the 1031 Corp. Um, <laughs> I worked with Grace Rivera. Absolutely spectacular. Um and I guess one of the best recommendations that I got for Grace was that I, I was speaking to several brokers about properties that I was going to nominate. Mm-hmm. And I said, just out of curiosity, who would you refer, you know, refer me to for, a, a, you know, a 1031? And three independent brokers recommended 1031 Corp. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So, um, next question comes from Kathleen Scullion. She's wondering, I have two residential properties, which are condos. If I want to use the 1031 exchange, how does a single family row house, sorry, does a single family row house qualify as a like kind property? It should. Yes. Uh, but again, I would run this question by your, your 1031 expert, but it's like kind, you know, and, and they, they don't differentiate between a duplex or a condominium or a single family, it's real estate. As long as it's rental real estate and not personal, mm-hmm. it, it should qualify. Okay. And uh, Keith's question is, is about Jumpstart, actually, and he's wondering, using Jumpstart as the hard money lender, how would a 1031 carryover work at closing on the identified property? Would the 1031 count as the 15% skin in the game that Jumpstart requires the buyer to bring to the table? That's a, a interesting question. Um, and Keith, if you want to email me, I could, I could probably talk with Angie to, to answer that. Um, that. That sounds like a discussion about Jumpstart's loan terms and details. Um, but but if you want to email us with that, we, we can get you an answer. Um, John, unless you have any in, insight on that. Well, no, I mean, and, and I, this is from Keith. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I, what I'd recommend, Keith, is if you're selling another property and you set up a 1031 exchange on another property and that money goes to the QI, the qualified intermediary. If you then wanted to use that money as your down payment on a jumpstart Germantown property, I, I think that would be completely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ju- yeah, legitimate. Jump- yeah. Jumpstart is, is less concerned about where the 15% is and, and more about what, you know, that you have it. <laughs> right. Okay, the uh, next question here comes from Chanel, and, and they're wondering, do you recommend that I disclose to the seller of the property that I am doing a 1031 exchange? Um, is there any you know, reason you should or shouldn't there? Wait, the seller? You mean the seller of, of the property that you would be acquiring? Um, well, I guess you could, yeah. Why don't you answer it in both ways then, of, of the, the seller, of the, or I guess you are selling the property, so you are the owner there. Right. Uh, 
then interpret it that way. Um, the seller of the property that you're exchanging it for. I it, it I, I I don't think it's necessary. I mean, you you certainly you certainly could, and I think most buyers actually would be very confident mm -hmm. with a 1031 exchange because they know that the money is in escrow. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, if you just said you were going to show up at settlement with X amount of dollars, they still have to, you know, hope that you're going to show up with the amount that you say. They know that this money is in escrow. So if anything, I think it makes your deal more sound. Right. Okay. Um, next question here comes from Aaron and he's wondering what are, what's the max amount of properties you can invest using, invest in using the 1031 exchange. So I think you mentioned like after the fourth or fifth project is when people typically, um, will, will pay those deferred taxes. Is there a limit of how, how long you can defer them? You know, and, and again, I would refer this to an expert. I don't know specifically mm -hmm. if there is a limit, if there is, I've never, I've, I've never encountered it. I've never read about it. Uh, in fact, you know, in, in a number of uh, instances, I've discussed actually selling properties that I did 1031 exchanges on to then acquire other properties. So, you know, mm -hmm. I, I don't think there's a limitation. And I, 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 I know that there's been some talk with the new tax code and with the current administration that they may look to put some limitations on 1031 exchanges. Mm -hmm. uh, now, when I've, I've I've talked to people in the industry, they seem to think it's going to be for higher uh, volume deals. You know, I mean, if you look at big time developers that are, you know, using this, I mean, it, it could be 50 million, it could be 80 million. Uh, I think they're maybe looking to limit this for some of the big, big ticket deals. Yeah. Um, the next question here comes from Aisha, and this is interesting. She's wondering, funds placed in a 1031 exchange can only be used for the acquisition cost. Sorry, can they only be used for acquisition costs, or can funds also be used for renovation costs? Yes, they can. But the renovation, if, I'm, if, I, if I am correct on this, and again, I'm going to refer you to go to a 1031 exchange company or an attorney on this. This is one of the big up here that just says to refer to your, your <laughs> I can stamp it on my forehead but uh, <laughs> actually from what I know yes you can but mm -hmm. the renovations have to be completed within the 180 day window mm -hmm. okay now there may be some other specifics but that's how I understand it okay. um, next question and, and thanks everybody for the great questions um, there's so many tonight uh, this next one comes from Anthony. He's wondering, how are the taxes divided if one acquires three properties? Is there a tax lien on the properties? Um, I'm not sure if you understand that question. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to work. My, could you read that again, please? How are the taxes divided if one acquires three properties? Is there a tax lien on the properties? No. Okay. No. No. If, if, you're, if you qualify for the deferral, there's no tax lien involved. Okay. You know, there will be a paperwork trail, by the way. Mm -hmm. You know, if you do one or two or three deals, mm -hmm. there's going to be a paper trail that shows the profit on deal number one, the profit on deal number two, the profit on deal number three. So when you sell that, say, after the third 
1031 exchange, there would be a paper trail indicating what the profits were on each deal that you would then have to pay tax on. Mm -hmm. Okay. Gotcha. So, so no, no tax liens. Um, no. Okay. Um, and, and I apologize if I'm skipping over any questions here. We we're almost 30 here. So I'm trying to, uh, you know, prioritize, uh, the next one here comes from Aaron again, and they're wondering, does, I'm sorry, this one's come from Keith and he's wondering, can you talk more about the stepped up basis exit strategy? Um, so I think that's something you referred to a little bit earlier on. Um, yeah, I mean, the way, the way that the tax code works, uh, let's just say I bought a property, uh, you know, when I was well, 30 years ago for 150,000 mm -hmm. and I live in that property for 40 years or it's an investment property. I have it for 40 years. If I leave that as part of my estate, say I leave it to my son or my daughter, when they inherit that property, they, they do not inherit that property based on its original purchase price of 150. Mm -hmm. They inherit that property. It was, you know, it's, it's referred to as at the stepped up basis, meaning the value at the time of my death. Gotcha which I hope is no time soon, but, uh, uh for anybody, but yeah, it, it stepped up basis is, is a fabulous tool. Um, and you know, it saves families, you know, a lot of money and, you know, inheritance tax and so forth, but any property that you leave to someone, they should inherit at the stepped up basis. And that includes 1031 properties. Okay. Um, and and uh, Keith is also wanted to clarify, you have to use a, the same entity for both transactions, correct? Absolutely. In fact, that's something I didn't bring up. And, you know, like you, you can't sell something that's owned in your name mm -hmm. and put it into an LLC. Mm -hmm. Or you can't sell a property you've owned in an LLC and create a separate LLC or corporation or, or whatever. Absolutely. Must be same name. Okay, cool. Um, Kara was wondering something similar. Can you use a 1031 to pay off a property that you already own? I'm going to say no. Okay. Gotcha. I, you know, I, and actually, I, I feel pretty confident to be able to say no to that because it's, it's, it's all about acquiring a property, not dealing with a property that you already own. Mm, right. So. Gotcha. Um, and, and our last question for tonight is going to come from Dwayne and he's wondering, do you have it? And this is a good question to end it on. Um, do you have any concerns that capital gains tax rates may go up and you will end up paying more in tax? Um, is, is that something that, that is ever to be concerned about? Well, you know, who knows what capital gains taxes are going to be 10 or 15 years down the road. Uh, I, I would, I would think based on just a, a lot of the, the economic situation that we, we've encountered here with COVID and, you know, the, the massive debt that we've, uh, you know, incurred and, you know, who knows what we're going to, what we're going to be doing going forward as far as, as spending. Mm -hmm. I, I feel pretty confident that, that capital gains rates will go up. But again, if you can keep deferring them, mm -hmm. you know, uh, it, it, it's irrelevant un, until you sell that last property. Right. 
And that concludes my conversation with John Thane about 1031 exchanges. The interviews on this program are recorded during Jumpstart Germantown's weekly Jump in Our series, which takes place via Zoom webinar every Monday night at 7 p.m. And if you'd like to participate in the live Q&A with our guest, be sure to head to jumpstartgermantown.com events and register for next week's Jump in Our. If you're interested in starting a Jumpstart program in your own community, visit gojumpstart.org and see our how-to guide and open source training workbook. Thank you so much for listening to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show on Germantown Community Radio, WRGU 92.9 FM. Be sure to tune in next week.